Rink-wide Vancouver as the Canucks finish up a five-game road trip with back-to-back victories. Beat Florida 5-3 on Saturday. They roll into Music City, and they knock off Nashville by a score of 3-2. It's Jeff. It is Matt here. It is Rink-wide Vancouver, a presentation of Bodog. And give the Canucks credit. They go 3-2 on the road trip. They are a 4-2 hockey club now, six games in to this new season. And, of course, six games in a year ago, jerseys were flying at Rogers Arena. It was the home opener. They were trounced by the Buffalo Sabres. They were still winless, so what a difference a year makes. And a low event night in Nashville, but I'm sure that's just fine for Rick Tockett and the hockey club at the tail end of a road trip that's taken them all over North America. And the Canucks in the third period... I had to kill a couple of late penalties. They got that part done. So again, what a difference a year makes. And they win it by a score of 3-2. to two. And Matt, I think the Canucks can feel pretty good about uh, the road trip and the first six games to this season. Absolutely, Jeff. I mean, this was the swing game in the road trip. This was the one whether that was going to determine whether it was a successful trip, a neutral trip, or a losing trip. And so to be able to come home now 4-2, and two, six games in, five road games now already, off the books and to do so by closing out a game in the third period after coming off the game Saturday where you blew a two goal lead in the third. In this case, you get two penalties late in the hockey game and you're able to kill those off. So that's a splendid result for the Vancouver Canucks, especially with what is going on around them in the Pacific division. We've talked a little bit about that this week on Sakaris and Price. So they should feel awfully good about themselves coming home for this Friday, Saturday, back to back with St. Louis and the Rangers. Yeah, and I think some similarities on the score sheet, at the very least, to the road trip opener in Edmonton. Remember that night, it was Niels Hoaglander, it was Jack Studnika, it was Sam Lafferty. Well, Hoaglander ends up getting the game winner, gave the Canucks a 3-1 lead early in the second period, and what a start to the second period. The Canucks absolutely took control, outshot the Predators 8-1 in the first few minutes, and that yielded two goals, one by Phil Giuseppe, his first of the season, but... He's been terrific for the Vancouver Canucks, so it's almost a surprise that he hadn't found the back of the net uh, to this point. But he gets in on the fun, and of course, Ilya Mikheyev opens the scoring in this hockey game and opens his account on the season, returned to the lineup after the knee surgery on Saturday. Probably had to shake off a little bit of rust there, and it wasn't a thing of beauty, but they all count, and that one finds the back of the net, gets the Canucks out in front. They never trailed in this hockey game And when you think of the goaltending, and these are two of the better goaltenders in the Western Conference, I mean, UC Saros has really emerged as the star on the backbone of that Nashville team. But Matt, in a 3-2 hockey game, Mm. you know, one gaffe, essentially the difference. I mean, Thatcher Demko made the saves he was supposed to. He got a little help from the post in the third period on the Colton Sissons chance. But other than that, Demko stood tall, did his part. And how about Thatcher Demko? When we talk about differences year over year... Uh, he evens his record at 2-2, two and two, but that barely even touches his story to this point. He has been so good for the Vancouver Canucks. Been busy most of the time, so I'm sure he appreciated a pretty light workload. He's given up two goals or fewer in three of his four starts. You give that kind of goaltending to the team in front, they should be able to deliver results. Absolutely, and you're right about Saros. I mean, that is just an awful whiff. Two Ooh. and a half minutes into this hockey game on what is a mostly pedestrian shot from distance from Ilya Mikheyev. It winds up being the difference tonight, Jeff. I like what you said about Di Giuseppe. If ever, if anybody has ever deserved a goal based on the play through five goals, it was Phil Di Giuseppe. So nice to see him open his account this year. Hoaglander gets back into the lineup after being a healthy scratch and contributes. So that's a nice 
development for the Canucks, and that's a nice development for Nils Hoaglander, who's scrapping to stay in the NHL and play minutes in the Canucks' bottom six. And getting back to that second period, Jeff, Vancouver outshoots Nashville 13-4 to in, and I know they scored eight goals on opening night, so there were periods on opening night where the 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 actual score uh, was dominant, but have they played a better period than the second period tonight, this season? Arguably not. And again, I think you take into consideration just the amount of travel that they've had to get to this point. You wondered, would their legs be there? I know they had a full day off yesterday, but it's Nashville. Uh, young <laughs> guys with uh, resources can find some fun in a city like Nashville. So I was curious to see, would it be... And, and Rick Tockett talked about this after the morning skate and said, this is a business trip. Like, this is a business game. We have to make some sort of statement and I would suggest that they did. It, you know, far from perfect, there are still areas to improve in this hockey game. And you know, you can tell Elias Patterson is not completely dialed in when he missed the empty net twice in the late stages that would have sealed it, hit the post once, and and the uh, radar wasn't quite calibrated on the second opportunity. But and they, knowing Petey Jeff, he is going to suck on those missed p- well, chances all the way home to Vancouver on the flight. He is going to be beating himself up because he actually dekes around two to three predators on what should have been the empty netter to seal it. And then, you know, you give him 99 bucks from just outside the blue line with an empty net, and he's going to score. So to miss both chances, I'm sure he's beating himself up. Well, they remarked on the broadcast that for a split second there, he was. He was sort of like the frustration. He almost mm-hmm. put himself in freeze frame. It was like, no, you game on. you got to get back there. And Shorty told him, you got to go back and play. You can't out. <laughs> a little kick in the butt for Elias Pettersson. Mm-hmm. Again, though, when you look at who scored, Mikheyev, DiGiuseppe, and, and Hoaglander, Elias Pettersson's not on the score sheet. Uh, JT Miller's not on the score sheet. Brock Besser got the assist. He poked the puck ahead to Giuseppe. Uh, Kuzmenko got the helper on the Mikheyev goal. And Quinn Hughes does get a helper, so he's still a point-a-game guy six games into this. But you know, the, we've talked about other wins where the Stars have absolutely been on the score sheet, and certainly that was the case on Saturday down in Florida. You know, I think this represents progress that two of their victories some of the supporting cast has done the heavy lifting. And that was an issue on a lot of nights last year that Elias Patterson with 102 yeah. points and, and Quinn Hughes with 76, that, that ultimately didn't matter. They finished 12 points out of the playoffs. They needed to surround their best players with guys that could step up in moments. And that seemed to be mm-hmm. the case here at Bridgestone Arena. Well, you remarked to me at one point in the third period, Jeff, that Elias Patterson had been relatively quiet in this hockey game. And, you know, to your point, Kuzmenko and McKayef weren't. So it was really the wingers that I felt floated that Elias Pettersson line tonight. We had talked about how we needed to see more out of Anthony Bovilli, and I think he was better yep. tonight alongside Lafferty and Hoaglander, who obviously gets the goal. And so that line gets on the scoreboard. And then I think you can almost say the same about JT Miller that we said about Elias Pettersson tonight that probably wasn't his most active evening. And yet that line and Di Giuseppe and Besser sort of picked them up and, of course, combined on that goal. So fantastic signs from the Canuck. I thought the Suter-Joshua Garland line was quite quiet tonight. But let's face it, Jeff, this was a low-event hockey game. You and I did a bunch of preseason yeah. games. Yeah. And outside of 10-1 in Calgary to open the preseason with an AHL roster, you know, we sat there musing, okay, there could be a lot of nights like this with Rick Talk at Hockey. A lot more wall work than actual events near the goals. For the most part, Jeff, I would argue they played five pretty high event hockey games to start this season. There wasn't a whole lot of, 
you know, dull or drab hockey going on, neutral zone hockey. They were pretty entertaining hockey games. Tonight bogged down a little. Tonight was absolutely no oil painting. Tonight, even take a look at the shots. I mean, what was it? Eight shots for Nashville at the midpoint of the hockey game. Yeah, they and finished it, with 18 and some of that aided by the two late power plays. But Matt, midway through the third period, the Preds are down a goal. You've, like we saw Florida absolutely throw everything at the Vancouver Canucks. And I know that the Preds aren't blessed with the same high-octane offense as the Florida Panthers who got to the Stanley Cup final, but there's some talent on that Nashville team. The shots were 3-2 to two for the Canucks midway through the third period. And again, I think Rick Tockett would be totally fine with uh, the low event, kind of dumb it down, do whatever it takes. The Canucks want to believe that they are improving here as we go, that they're not going to give up the grade-A opportunities that plagued them so badly on Sony nights last season. And so I think Thatcher Demko would tell you that it, you know relatively easy night at the office for him. Didn't have to be spectacular, but the chips were down, and crunch time for a team that couldn't kill off penalties in these situations a year ago. So I thought, yeah. what a massive test for the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, Mark Friedman gets called for interference on Ryan O'Reilly. As that penalty expires, Tyler Myers gets the gate for the cross-check. At that point, it was three penalties to none. And at that point, Jeff, the narrative throughout Canuck Nation is, oh my goodness, Tyler Myers, you're going to cost us a point or maybe two with a second penalty in the third period. And the penalty killers dig down and get the job done. And so, again, if you are looking for signs that there are some differences already outside of the record, like last year... I would have bet my house probably on the opponents scoring once, if not on both of those power plays to you know take a deficit and turn it into a lead. And the Canucks were able to come back and, and or come out and kill off those penalties. So good on them. Well, first of all, it felt like game management. You were waiting for the officials. You know, mm-hmm. the Preds are down a goal. The home team they get their two power plays. They don't convert. And at some point, you sort of felt like. And I know midway through the period, Connor Garland thought he'd been tripped up and went to the officials and let them have it through two periods, the only infraction in this hockey game was yep. too many men on the ice. I'm not buying that. And this is Wes McCauley, yeah. who loves the camera time <laughs> and the microphone, and yet he didn't uh, make a call through uh, you know two and a half periods of the game. Whatever the case, uh, the Canucks were pushed by the Nashville power play, but uh, held the Preds to just four power play shots on goal. So, nice work by the penalty killers, nice work by Thatcher Demko as the last line of defense. I do think that as the season unfolds, We'll see more games like this from yep. them. Last year, they only held three opponents all season under 20 shots on goal. So in their mm-hmm. sixth game of the year here, they keep the Preds. Didn't you have some crazy stat last year about how infrequently they played the 3-2 game, Jeff? And of course, you know, a lot of people will right. tell you it's a 3-2 league. Maybe the officials had an early flight to catch. Huh. Low penalty totals, low event hockey shots. 8-5 in the third period for Nashville, 24-18 on the hockey game. Unless they've updated it, Jeff, they did make a correction at the end of the second period, so we'll look for that. And, you know, in terms of Demko and, and the point you made about Demko, look, the Sherwood shot is an absolute blister off yeah. the rush. One-timer, it's, you're not going to see many shots that good, so you can't blame him on that one. And, and you're right, he didn't need to be spectacular, but he made the other saves that presented themselves, and and particularly early in the third period, Jeff. The late push from Nashville maybe wasn't there, but early in the first period, Colton Sissons and North Van Kidd, and he had a goal tonight, was right in on Demko. Uh, Philip Forsberg with a whirling shot, and Demko made another save. And then uh, Evangelista walks around Susie and drives the net hard, 
and Demko's able to keep that out of the net as well. So a workmanlike performance from the goaltender, a workmanlike performance from the hockey club, and I bet that Rick Tockett is beaming after this one because you're right. These are the sorts of ugly, scrappy games that you need to win or at the very least manage your loss if you're going to be a playoff team. Yeah, and look, I don't want to make more of game six on the schedule than it is, but they see the Predators here next week on Halloween, and in the meantime, the St. Louis Blues are in town. The Preds and the Blues look like teams that are going to be in the Canucks neighborhood all season long, mm-hmm. right? Like, I, I think a lot of people look at well, those teams. Well, we're last year. So. Yeah, and I think people look at those teams and think, you know, if everything goes right for them, maybe a chance to be a playoff team, but there's no guarantees there. So an early season win against the Predators, you know, if they can take points off the Blues on home ice, you know, then take your best swing at the Predators again here next week and, and see what happens. But there is a little bit of heft and some significance to these games. If the I mean, the easiest way to climb over opponents in the division and in the conference is to beat them in regulation head-to-head. So uh, nice work here. They've done it twice against Edmonton, and now they do this one against the Nashville Predators. So the Canucks have won back-to-back games to finish up the trip. As we said, 3-2 and two out on the road, and they have burned off five games and I don't think that can be understated either. No. In the early going, especially last year when they came home off the Jeff, road without a victory. Jeff, three Octobers or two Octobers and a January in the Canadian division. This hockey club has gotten itself buried early. Yeah. And we talked on your Harrison Price hit yesterday that you look around the Pacific and lo and behold, it other teams are at risk of getting buried early, whereas the Vancouver Canucks had mitigated the schedule pretty darn well, given what the schedule maker tossed at them for another year in October, which was no easy ride back to back against Edmonton, the best power play in the league, particularly when you have been as horrible as the Canucks have been killing penalties the last few years. The Florida swing is never an easy one. And they catch some good breaks there with Vasilevsky missing for Tampa. And of course the two defensemen, Ekblad and Montour missing for Florida. And, uh, the other thing, they get two days off here before the next game on Friday. They only play a couple of Friday games all year, so this St. Louis visit is truly a unique one, as is a Friday-Saturday back-to-back. I haven't right. seen a ton of those uh, over the years. Did hear, I believe it was Dan Murphy, but it might have been Shorty on the TV side today, say they were going to stay in Nashville tonight or fly home tomorrow. I forget how it was phrased. Yes. Well, but think about it. The it, sleep doctor used to tell him on these big road trips, I know everybody wants to get home. You can fly through the night and be there for the next morning. But in terms of rest and load management and fatigue management, you are better off hitting the hay and flying out the next day after a good sleep. Well, they fly direct. Mm-hmm. So they could get back at a reasonable hour. But keep in mind with this frozen frenzy that this was an 8.23 local time start right. in Nashville. And so they probably looked at it and just thought, you know, you're going to get home at 4 in the morning or whatever. Why right. not get a good night's sleep, travel? Uh, and I can tell you, uh, it's not easy to get back from Nashville commercially. I don't commercially, know it's this. a the little Canucks different. I remember <laughs> at the end of a trip when I was out on the road, the Canucks flew home right after a win in Nashville. It may have been the night that Daniel Sedin collected his thousandth point. And I remember asking Shorty, what time did you guys get home? And he said, oh, I think I walked through my door at like 2 a.m. I flew the next day commercially. I think I went through Houston. I got home at 11 o'clock at night, almost yep. 24 hours after the Vancouver Canucks. And we had both 
left the building basically at the same time. But, uh, you know, if they want to go have some fun in Nashville, they earned it with the win and the road trip. We touched on the fact that most of this game played at even strength. So when you look at the underlying numbers in this game, I know it's a 3-2 final. I mean, the Canucks absolutely crushed the Predators. Uh, Team Corsi controlled two-thirds, 66.2% of all the, the shot attempts. The scoring chances were 28-16 in the Canucks' favor, including 16-4 to in that one-sided second period. High dangers were a little bit closer. And so I suppose if you're the Canucks, you'd like that to translate into a little bit more offense, but uh, another good night uh, for Quinn Hughes and Philip Hironik. We'll talk about some individual performances as we move along here. And they're not all going to be pretty. This one wasn't, but the two points uh, look the same as the ones from Florida and from the back-to-back wins against the Oilers to start this season. I think Andrew Burnett will be quite upset uh, about his hockey team's performance today. The Nashville, new Nashville head coach, handpicked and hired by Barry Trotz. And frankly, I'll bet the Predators could have used ex-Canuck Luke Shen tonight. A little bit of spirit. They yep. needed somebody to grab him by the scruff of the neck and kick some tail and get some spirit and some energy into that bench, which was missing for most of the hockey game. And you mentioned it's a frozen frenzy tonight, Jeff, as we have talked about in order to make this night happen, you've had to make some accommodations in the schedule. It was the two game Sunday. It was the one game Monday. It's just the one game tomorrow. Speaking of lack of rest, the Washington Capitals, New Jersey Devils draw the short straw there tomorrow. Washington in Jersey, Alex Ovechkin, plus 130 to score any time on your Bodog line of the day. Yeah, we'll see what Ovi uh, can do. He got his well, first of the season against the Leafs. He had 16 shots on goal. He's going to be exhausted. He's not a young fella anymore. But uh, And Jeff, you and I were talking. Desperation looks like it set in with Ovi here tonight. And secondly, I do think there may be a portion of this Washington Capitals season that's dedicated to getting Ovechkin as many goals as possible no in his chase for Wayne Gretzky in the all-time mark. Bodog, Canada's choice for casino games, poker tips, and sports odds. Do want to get into some individual performances? We'll get to the rink-wide three stars of this hockey game. I've got a stat that stands out that boggles my mind. And we'll you see always do, Jeff. Yeah, but this one, it makes no sense, but we'll certainly throw it out there a little bit later on here as we roll. Canucks 3, Predators 2, end of the line on this road trip. This is rink-wide Vancouver. Applewood Auto Group is celebrating 25 years of business, making the car business and our communities better. Applewood offers the best in-class experience, whether you're looking for a car, service, or to join our team. Come find out why it's all good at Applewood. Visit us online at applewood.ca today. The BC Lions are back in the playoffs and hosting the Calgary Stampeders on Saturday, November 4th at BC Place, kickoff at 3.30 p.m. Looking forward to this one, playoff football, BC Place, the Lions and that offense with Vernon Adams at the controls and all of those weapons he has in his receiving core. And you just think about the atmosphere in that building with the fans behind them, the Dome will be rocking, should be a ton of fun. Tickets on sale now at bclions.com and check this out. They start at just 30 bucks. And kids 17 and under can get in for 15. So bring the noise, fill the dome. Well, as we break down this Connect Victory Mat, let's get to a couple of individual performances. And we won't get to the Rink Wide Three stars just yet, although some of these players may factor into that. But 
you know, we wondered, what would Eli McKay have looked like upon his return? Lengthy layoff, serious injury, no preseason, hadn't played an NHL game since January. There's a guy whose game is really built on speed, and you, know, you wondered if he'd have to find the speed of the game. He's two games in now. I don't know that we've seen huge bursts from him, but a goal and an assist. He's a point-of-game guy through two games, and you know, I think for any athlete, a pro athlete, you want to be free in your mind that you're completely healthy and you're back. And if he goes five games, ten games without scoring a goal, you know, there's that seed of doubt in the back of your mind. So I don't care if it's a, a whiff by UC Saros. It, it went yeah. in and it turns out to be, well, you know, a, a big play in this hockey game. And and uh, let's get a, give Ilya McKay of credit here for not just leaning on his bread and butter of speed and being pretty good in the half court, so to speak, tonight, Jeff. It looked there was a chance there in the second period with Elias Pettersson in him, where Pettersson gets in the puck, he wheels around. There was another chance in the second period for Ilya Mikheyev alongside Andre Kuzmenko, who throws it at the goal, and there's Mikheyev looking to be that opportunistic, uh, they would call it fox in the box in soccer, <laughs> somewhere around the goal, saying if they could poach a goal. And, and there was a third opportunity down low in the third period for Ilya Mikheyev. So, you know, he makes his money by being such a fantastic skater, and he really is. And you tell me whether you think he's wholly back from the ACL in terms of the pure speed. I do know we're tracking that now with the National yeah, Hockey League right. and this new edge site. And I do know that Phil DiGiuseppe has posted the fastest time for a Vancouver Canuck, at least heading into this hockey game. But as I mentioned, you know, earlier, I, I, I felt that McKeef and Kuzmenko kind of floated that line tonight, that Pedersen wasn't the best player on it. In fact, I think you could argue he's the third best player on the line. So it looks like he's got some chemistry developing there with his fellow countrymen on the other flank and with Elias Patterson down the middle. So I think that's a good sign because you're not going to score all your goals off the rush. He's going to need to be a finisher when the Canucks have the zone, gain possession or creating pressure on opposing goaltenders. And I think there was a big step forward tonight for Ilya Mikheyev in that regard. Yeah, and when you look at the final numbers for him, 15 minutes and 4 seconds, so 2 minutes more. Almost all of it at even strength. He had 11 seconds of power play time. I'm curious, when will he get integrated into the penalty kill? Not, yeah, not, not that's yet. odd. That is quite odd because, I mean, last couple of seasons, I think we've all oh, felt... He'll, he'll get there. I, I, it's just a question of when, and I think they're probably trying to build him up to that, and certainly that will... You know, there weren't a lot of penalties. We established that. But if there are a bunch of penalties, you know, those are taxing minutes on a guy that's still trying to find his way. Obviously, if he's playing, he's cleared. But I do think it'll take a little bit of, you know, back-to-back will be interesting this week as well for a guy right. that hasn't had to endure something like that uh, in a long, long time. And you've seen that uh, Talkett and the coaching staff has gone with a couple of centermen off the bat when you get the face-off in your own zone, of course on the penalty kill. And then if they have to change on the fly, you're seeing two wingers hop over the boards. Now, Joshua and DiGiuseppe tonight, I believe, was the first winger combination used. I would have to think that Ilya Mikheyev is going to factor into those sorts of plans and in factor into those plans pretty soon here and pretty early on because I do think he is one of their best penalty killers when he's fully healthy. Teddy Bluger just will get an update finally. Nobody said anything about him, but when they come back off the road here. Day so, off tomorrow, you think Thursday? Well, well they're flying tomorrow, definitely. Yeah. And then I would think of practice on Thursday and then get back at it uh, Friday and Saturday. And it's possible. I, I, nobody knows. I haven't heard any sort of update on Teddy Bluger. So we'll see. But when he gets in there, he's going to be a penalty killer for this hockey club. But when he gets in there, 
somebody else is going to have to come out. We know that Jack Stadnika was the healthy scratch tonight. That allowed Nils Hoaglander to get into the lineup. Hoaglander has a couple of goals already this season. He had three all of last year in the 25 games that he played before he was sent down. So you know, when he gets his opportunities, he has to make some things happen. A hand-eye, nice deflection. A couple minutes after DiGiuseppe had put the Canucks in front at 2-1, Hoaglander makes it 3-1. And you know, I, I'm not here to say that Nils Hoaglander dominated this game, but in limited minutes, this guy has found a way to produce. And so there are still a bunch of other guys that are looking, Garland, Beauvillier, uh, Joshua, you know, really quiet road trips for all three of those guys offensively. But Neil yeah. Hoaglander gets his chance, and I think you know stakes a claim to staying in the lineup. But if Bluger's ready to go on the weekend, would know, it be Beauvillier? Oh, uh, you wonder. I, uh, you wonder. First of all, I think Lafferty and Beauvillier are, are decent fits with Hoaglander as line mates. Frankly, uh, I think this may also be true for McKayev at his best to Pedersen, as it may be with Lafferty to Hoaglander. And that is when you've got a guy in the line who can really skate. They tend to be able to speed up their teammates. Alan Vigneault used to say that all the time about Alex Burrows, right, Jeff? What do you like about Burrows with the Twins in the early going? I like that he gets them playing faster. And I do wonder whether Sam Lafferty in his speed is able to get Nils Hoaglander playing faster. And I do wonder Ilya Mikheyev, when he's back at full strength, is going to be able to get Elias Pettersson, Andre Kuzmenko, playing a little bit faster. Hoaglander was good enough tonight to stay in the lineup. Uh, of that, there is no doubt. If you're telling me Bluger's ready to go Friday and we have no... no. No, we don't know right now. That might well be rushing it. But coming off a game like this, even there'll, though he was... going to be a difficult decision. Even though he's better, I think you're narrowing in on Beauvillier and Garland, Jeff. No, and if I'm, you're scratching Garland, of course, you're devaluing an asset you're trying to trade. So a very interesting decision coming for the coaching staff. And yet I thought Beauvillier was a little more noticeable, and I thought he got better hmm. as his trip went along. But there is a bottom line element to a... $4 million guy on an expiring contract here. It's a contract year for him. This has been a really slow start, even going back to preseason. So you know, if it gets to that, Beauvillier, I don't think, can look at Tockett and think, like, this isn't warranted. So, uh, again, coaches want difficult decisions because it means that there are other guys mm -hmm. that uh, are stepping up and, and, and earning their spots in the rice time. I didn't think Joshua was great tonight. And he, I don't think he has been no, really all season. There's but he's a, a penalty killer, Jeff, and, he he, and he's kind of your and he's a big body. So called muscle, right? They don't have a lot. He's a former St. Louis Blue. I don't know if that still plays into it, but uh, I do think the size thing does come into account. Yeah, I think so, that matters for talking at all. Yes. All right. Well, let's get to the rink-wide three stars of this hockey game. We always like to say the stars in the building were selected by the Nashville media. They were Kiefer Sherwood, who scored a nice goal, Ilya Mikheyev, and Nils Hoaglander. So those were the three yeah. stars in the building. No real issues there. I'm going to go hey, up the Jeff, board a little bit. I'm going to give a shout-out whoever put that together, because rare in the visiting building do you see a fourth-line winger get some love. No, and you're right. And Hoaglander and was worthy of it. It's a tough night to pick the three stars. I don't envy you. As we say, low-event hockey. So that's not actually a bad job in, in arena uh, not a ton of home cooking on that one either. No, and I, I have no issues with those. I'm going to go in a slightly different direction here because we haven't brought his name up, but I, I just thought another stellar night for Philip Hronik. I'm going to go with Philip Hronik as my first star in this hockey game. He gets a second assist on the Hoaglander goal, so he just moves the puck to Quinn Hughes. Mm. He's going to pick up points. If he moves the... <laughs> That's Phil, bold, Jeff. Move, move the puck to Quinn Hughes, you will get second assist. Trust me. But uh, a couple of things. 
led the Canucks in ice time again, 26 minutes and 58 seconds, 10 minutes and 26 seconds of the third period. The underlying numbers are off the charts good for this guy. Individual Corsi of 74.3%. The shots were 2-1 to one for the Canucks. They were 11-6 at even strength in the Canucks' favor, and it was 2-0 in terms of goal score, those two early in the second period. So, again, Philip Ronick and Quinn Hughes. Unconventional choice, but well-supported. And, and, and I agree, he was very good tonight, as he's been all season. And so, no surprise that Quinn Hughes' numbers were similar. And I just thought to myself, as this game went along, for all the talk in this market and with all the chatter on social media, if there was even one person out there in the hockey world that thought, you know what, all right, I'm going to tune in and see what all this talk is about Quinn Hughes. Not that anybody should be surprised, but Quinn Hughes delivered yet again and just spends almost all of his shifts in the offensive zone. And so this question about can he defend, Matt, well, yeah, he can defend because he spends the entire night up ice. Best defense, great offense. Exactly. So So is he your second star since the numbers were similar? but I am going to stick with another defenseman. I'm going with Ian Cole as the second star. Now, Ian Cole's not going to get many star mentions as this season goes along, but I'll tell you why. Uh, Ian Cole gets an assist on the Mikheyev goal, moves the puck up quickly to Kuzmenko and then across to Mikheyev. But Ian Cole led all Canuck penalty killers three and a half minutes of penalty killing duty. They come out with a clean sheet on the penalty kill, including those two back-to-back in the third period. And so Ian Cole logs 22 and a half minutes in this hockey game, which is probably more than I would have thought at the outset of the season that he would be asked to play. But uh, again, when you look at the depth chart, he's essentially the number three guy on this defense. And, and he gets his first point as a Vancouver yeah. Canuck on that and I just McAuliffe thought, goal. you know, a tidy night for him defensively and chips in offensively, but really the, the key that got him the mention in the three stars uh, was the penalty kill work. So, so yeah. I just want to stop right there because, Jeff, how often, if ever, have you gone two Canucks defensemen and no goaltender in the three star? We are praising the Vancouver Canucks for a defensive effort tonight. Yeah. And we do not have the goaltender as the right and high, high and uh, above all because the guys font. in front of him exactly. Yeah, so we're very good. Yeah. And so when we talk about signs of progress, you won a three-two hockey game where the goaltender was good, not great, didn't have to be great because of the play in front of him. And I'll go with the North Van guy. I shout to uh, Colton Sissons, scored the goal, had that chance that went off Demko and then off the post. Uh, that would have tied the game early in the third period. I thought he was around the puck. His fourth goal of the season. We didn't really talk a lot about that, but uh, poor decision, I think, by Carson Soucy, basically thrown into double coverage. There were two yellow jerseys, mustard-colored jerseys along the boards there, sealing it off. And I know Cole Smith ran a little bit of interference, uh, and Soucy, I think, had a case there, but it's one of those bang-bang plays, and Cole Smith just uh, basically blocking Carson Soucy that allowed the ice to open up for Sissons, and Sissons made no mistake. So a nice offensive start to the season for him with his fourth goal of the year. The Canucks kind of mucked and grind this hockey game. The Preds scored two pretty nice goals, all things considered, mm-hmm. but two didn't get it done for them on this night. So Canucks win it by a score of 3-2. to two. Heronic, Cole, and Sissons are the rink-wide Vancouver. Three stars of this hockey game brought to you by... Our mortgage man, Jason Hominick. Yeah, uh, Jason Hominick of Jason Dot Mortgage. And right now, we understand and big announcement coming up tomorrow on interest rates. If you have a great rate on your mortgage but still need equity out of your house, Jason has a solution. You keep your great rate, you access that equity 
without touching your existing mortgage. If your mortgage is up in the next six months or, hey, if you get news tomorrow where you need some great advice, reach out to Jason. Find him at jason.mortgage. Canucks 3, the Predators 2. This is Rinkwide Vancouver. The BC Lions are back in the playoffs and hosting the Calgary Stampeders on Saturday, November 4th at BC Place. Kickoff at 3.30 p.m. Looking forward to this one. Playoff football, BC Place. The Lions and that offense with Vernon Adams at the controls and all of those weapons he has in his receiving core. And you just think about the atmosphere in that building with the fans behind them. The Dome will be rocking. Should be a ton of fun. Tickets on sale now at bclions.com. And check this out. They start at just 30 bucks. And kids 17 and under can get in for 15. So bring the noise, fill the dome. Canucks 3-2 winners in Nashville. They'll see the Preds here on Halloween night. So uh, third game of this upcoming homestand as the Canucks back home for a while. And we'll see if they can make the most of home ice as they did on opening that. I don't think anybody's expecting 8-1 victories every time out at Rogers Arena. It'll be fun, but uh, they did win on opening night and then headed out on this road trip. And again, picked up victories in Edmonton, in Florida, and this one in Music City. If I can just say a word about next week's Halloween game against the Nashville Predators, Jeff, Mm -hmm. and I'll be in here uh, with you to do that rink-wide as well. You have long said... If they are ever bringing oh. back the Flying V, yes. a home game on Halloween is the place to do It was right there for them, Jeff. And they're going with skate one of what, 15? 15. So, you know, like 15. Right. Can you not lop one off and throw a bone to the old timers who remember Flying V, the most unique hockey jersey in the history of hockey jerseys? You had Stan Smeal exactly. walk away after 45 years. You even put Stan in the Flying V when you trotted him out there at the home opener. Like a nod to the steamer. Uh, you're going with a bunch of black gear. So right. it would just be jerseys on order. It's a like a line item on the budget. It's like a, it, they had a chance to do something great there, Jeff. Yeah, and they I think they've it. missed that one so many times. But mm-hmm. yes, so first of 15 with the black skate against the Preds. Uh, next Tuesday, Halloween night. All right, uh, want to get to the stat that stands out and sort of an appetizer is this is the first time that UC Saros has lost to the Canucks in regulation time in his career. He's now 5-1-1, one one, but he had been really good and delivered results for the Predators. Uh, interesting, too, that all three of the matchups last year were decided in a shootout. This one didn't require OT or the skills competition, but another tight game down to the wire between these teams so if you keep that in mind next week if uh, you know you're throwing a couple dollars down on the the rematch between the Canucks and the Predators but here's the stat that stands out for me Matt Ryan O'Reilly signs with the Predators in the offseason leadership quality guy we know that the character of uh, Ryan O'Reilly quite frankly though awfully quiet night for Ryan O'Reilly 21 minutes of ice time no shots on goal and on the ice for two of the three Canuck goals. So this is, like, that all jumps out at me. The stat that stands out, though, Ryan O'Reilly has faced the Canucks 44 times in his National Hockey League career in the regular season. He has one goal. Really? One goal. I just got plywood up Um, over the net when he's on the ice. Yeah. Do you remember he got traded to Toronto in the talk was, ooh, he doesn't look like the same guy that we saw in St. Louis, and... 
I understand all the intangibles, and I understand why Barry Trotz would like Ryan O'Reilly, at least peak Ryan O'Reilly, or even 8 out of 10 Ryan O'Reilly. You do wonder. He got to the National Hockey League at a young age, Jeff. You may have a game total there in front of you. He's played a lot over his... Well, so this will stand 999? Is that 998 tonight? tonight? Okay. Next Tuesday, they play the Leafs at home, ah. 999, and the game here in Vancouver... Is his 1,000. If, if he's healthy yeah. and, and gets through the game on Saturday. A lot of miles on that body, uh, I believe they're showing. The other thing is... If you're asking him to be your first-line center, and I know Cody Glass was out tonight, but I'm not sure Cody Glass is a first-line center either. Look, he's never really been the most create-for-other type of centerman anyways. Nope. Pretty straight line. So you've got some pretty good wingers there. I know they like that Parson and Kidd, and Forsberg obviously is a very well-established National Hockey Leaguer, but you wonder whether they have the right mix. You wonder whether they have enough creativity at center ice, this could be a tough year for Nashville. I know it's Barry Trotz's first year there, Brunette's first year. I know they have been a pretty stable franchise here with uh, a consistency of effort, makeup, identity, and all of those things that really Trotz helped implement in this franchise when he was there as coach for uh, so many years. And as we were talking in one of the breaks there, you know, Nashville, given the basket case uh, beginnings of that franchise where you had undercapitalized owners, you had some, you know, would-be felon coming on in to try and own it. Jim Balsley tried to buy it. They have had a fair bit of stability in Music City for a number of years. So can we get rid of the PA announcer with the affected power plays and everything? It just sounds so small-time, Jeff. It sounds so ECHL. You're an established hockey market now, Nashville. People always like you don't it need that stuff on the PA the college sport experience oh, sort the of power play. It's yeah. oh. thank you, Paul, and like the yeah the whole bit. I'm I'm with you there, and I've experienced it uh, in person. I, I would park that if I could. Uh, look, we've talked about a number of players both sides of this game, and we mentioned the fact that you know the Canucks dominated uh, possession. How about this one? Tyson Berry, the shots at even strength in this game oh my God. were 13 to 1 in favor of the Canucks when Victoria's Tyson Berry. I saw a mid game stat on that Ooh. and went, oof, uh, that did not look. And, and hey, a lot of BC content on that Nashville team. I, yep. Ryan Johansson isn't there anymore, no. but Fabro. And boy, does Fabro elevate. Huh? He played with Yossi tonight, and not long ago, he was a healthy scratch and Sissons. And Barry, so a lot of B, uh, BC content. I'm sure they will have many people at the game next Tuesday because uh, I believe the Fabro family alone may pick up a thousand tickets yeah. or so. They have been <laughs> so loud and so vocal in the past. But uh, the BC boys on the Predators don't get it done tonight. On Cole as a star mm. for tonight, your second star. Yeah, I was going to ask you for a sort of temper temperature check on Cole and Susie, the two free agent defensemen, what you thought about them, not just tonight, but through these first six games. I think Cole's been pretty good. I think he's been just a stabilizing force. Uh, the underlying numbers haven't been great, but when the chips have been down, some of these tight games, when they've been trying to grind out victories, uh, you know, he's a big, strong guy, and I think we see him use that size fairly effectively. Uh, he's not going to pick up a lot of points, as uh, we've seen, and he got his first in this hockey game on the Mikheyev goal. But uh, the penalty kill is where he's going to, you know, pay dividends, and, I, and the penalty kill has been better 
uh, in the early going. It hasn't crumbled in crunch time the way that it did on so many nights last year. So I think Ian Cole has uh, sort of been as advertised and really right from day one of camp. It just kind of he goes about his business in a professional fashion, and I think he's highly respected in that locker room for all the years of experience. Um, and I, I think he's been a good addition. Susie is very much a work in progress, of course. Missed the first couple of games, coming back from the injury, so he's only played four of the six. Yeah, some decisions with the puck, and we saw that uh, on the system's goal here. That's kind of been something that has haunted yep. him over his career. Zone exits and puck decisions when you're back there and one wrong move, one delayed decision. And so I think the questions that were asked when he was signed, you know, he was perfectly slotted as a third-pair guy in Seattle. Is that what he is? Or you know, committing three years to him at the dollars they did and thinking that there's more there. And they made that mistake with Tyler Myers. And you just wonder if this... Now, it's not as many years. It's not as much money, obviously, as Myers. But you know, when I watch him, if he's going to regularly play in the top four for the Vancouver Canucks, I'm not sure that that's going to lead to the desired results. So... Uh, I'll give him some time to get up to speed. He scored a nice goal the other night in Florida. I like that part from him, but he's not here to score a bunch, although he did get 10 in his first year in Seattle. So uh, we'll see what happens. But uh, again, you know, this is a night, I think, where it wasn't so much about individual performances. This was the collective, and the Canucks did a nice job at the end of the road trip to grind out the victory that they did to go 3-2 and two on the road and 4-2 and two now on the season. So I think it's safe to say that the Canucks are motoring just like anybody. That goes to Applewood. And right now, celebrating 25 years at the Applewood Auto Group, you can get the 2023 Rogue. Finance from 3.99%. Lease or finance the 23 or 24 Leaf from 6.99%. That's at Applewood Nissan Richmond, Applewood Nissan Langley, Applewood Nissan Surrey. Then head to the Richmond Auto Mall where Infinity has your 23 QX50 from 3.49%. And you can lease the 23 QX60 from 2.99% because Jeff Patterson, it's all good at Applewood. And it's been pretty much good for the Canucks. It's been mm-hmm. all good. The game in Philadelphia stands out as uh, the one staker of the first six that they have played. But, but now that's the anomaly yeah. to to a degree. No, I it, mean, you lost in Tampa, but, but you played hard and right you, to the Exactly. End and, and coach praised the effort. Yep. You nearly blew a two goal lead in Florida, but Kuzmenko scores. You wind up winning the hockey game. Thank you very much. And there were some nervous moments in the third tonight. The early flurry from Nashville, the late penalties that, as you say, last year, forget about it. Oh. The, the, the game time goal was being scored against Vancouver. So, you know, we went into this game and you're thinking, okay, they're still a top-heavy hockey club. They still don't get a ton from the bottom six scoring-wise, nor from the defense, although that's changing a little bit. Uh, the... Uh, Still are giving up too many shots and too many chances, and I believe this was only the second game of the six where they've outshot an opponent. So there was a pathway to seeing some losses coming here. And to their infinite credit, they have fought hard through 60 minutes the last couple of nights turn regulation victories, and for that they should be commended. Yeah, and I think, too, it'll be interesting to see the atmosphere and the energy in the building on Friday, uh, early last season coming off the road without the victories. You know, People were growling. They were angry early on. It- Got ugly against Buffalo, and the follow-up to that was, I think they were outshot 40-16 to 16 by uh, Carolina to take them to seven games without a victory. So 
Uh, you know, I hope people go to the rink on Friday looking to have some fun, and we'll see if the Canucks will, you know, respond and follow up with these last couple of victories and see if they can string another one and, again, just keep padding points uh, in that total because uh, they all add up, and the ones you get now, uh, every bit as important. Uh, and in some ways, more important because uh, we know that late-season points did them no favors last year. Yeah. So put points in your back pocket early on and stay in this uh, playoff hunt. Quite true. If you're going to finish 10th from the bottom or 11th from the bottom, at least have the bottom fall out once you're eliminated from playoff position as opposed to what the Vancouver Canucks have done. For many, many years here during this decade of despair, Jeff, where you win way too many hockey games late to get to 10th from the bottom as opposed to being a top five draft pick. Well, it wasn't necessarily a fun hockey game, but fun post-game podcast. And we like to have some fun here on Rinkwide Vancouver, a presentation of Bodog, Canada's choice for casino games, poker tips, and sports odds. Ilya Mikheyev, Phil Giuseppe, and Nils Hoaglander. The goal scores as the Canucks defeat the Predators by a score of 3-2 to two to run their early season record to 4-2. and two. They're at home to St. Louis and the New York Rangers here back-to-back on Friday and Saturday night. For Matt, this is Jeff. Thanks so much for your support as always. This is Rick Widening.